0: Welcome to the Future Tech edition of the Finding Genius Podcast. Forget frequently asked questions, forget common sense, common knowledge, or Googling for information. How about advice from a genius in their field instead? 95% of people in any profession are good enough to be qualified and licensed. 5% go above and beyond. They become very good at what they do, but only 0.1% are the geniuses of their profession. Richard has made it his life's mission to interview the geniuses of their fields in areas such as AI, 3D printing, quantum computing, blockchain and Bitcoin and more. Don't miss out on amazing podcasts with geniuses. Review us on iTunes or wherever you listen and go to futuretech.findinggeniuspodcast.com and subscribe today.
1: Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Finding Genius podcast series. I have Dimitra Askonja. Uh, She's an associate professor of ophthalmology and visual science at uh, University of Chicago. We're going to be talking about uh, the microbiome and eye health and diseases and retinal diseases like uh, age-related macular degeneration and retinopathy. So, uh, Dimitra, thanks for coming. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. Thanks for inviting me and thanks for taking that initiative for this new and upcoming field in the eye world.
1: Yeah, why are eyes and eyesight important to you? Why in particular do you like this field?
2: Well, because you cannot see, you cannot do anything. <laughs>
1: That's true. Uh,
2: it's very hard. Uh, it's one of the, the field is, I feel, is one of these interesting fields that it's about quality of life. Yes, you don't usually die or um, um, feel sick from uh, conditions in the eye or as a retina specialist are very commonly diagnose systemic diseases uh, through the eyes, and uh, the eyes the first sight uh, that we can really help save someone's life. Um, But it's something that really affects the quality of life, and that's how it came to my world as well. Uh, I had an eye infection when I was uh, in med school, and I realized how much impacts my life, and then I realized that this is what I want to do. But it's also a very fascinating organ because the retina in particular that I specialize in is part of the brain. And it's the only part of the brain you can directly take a lens and look at it and see how it looks. So Mm -hmm. in every other specialty besides maybe the dermatology or ENT, you have to do only indirect ways to imagine what's going on in the organ you're looking at. Uh, With the eyes, we have all the fascinating imaging tools, but we just pick up our lens and look exactly how things look. So looking at people's brains basically directly every day, it's
1: pretty cool. I wanted to talk a little bit about the microbiome of the eye because it's rarely discussed. Um, I spoke to one other person. They said that um, there doesn't appear to be any any microbes on the eye, but I guess under the eyelid there are. Like, What have you uh, learned about it?
2: So, when you talk about microbiome and eye disease, you need to separate basically the microbiome of the eye itself and the eye area, and then the extra ophthalmic microbiota, like the microbiota in the gut, or maybe the mouth, or even the nasal pharyngeal space, and how that affects the eye disease. So, um, theoretically, the inside of the eye, like inside the retina, theoretically, it's sterile. That means that if someone takes fluid from your eye and cultures it, um, you should not find any bacterial uh, growing. But the surface of the eye, it's not sterile. Uh, but it's a very unique uh, mucosa kind of like covered surface. So our skin or the mucosa in our mouth and our nose has um, a, a much more robust and uh, diverse variety of microbes that consists our flora. But interestingly, the microbes in the surface of the eye, it's much smaller. There' are much less species and there's a much less number of uh, bacteria. And that makes it a very unique, Surface that's exposed to the like environment with trillions of microbes floating around, but none of them can really stick and create a a flora and a film. So, in that sense, the surface of the eye is a very unique surface mucosa of the body. And you know, there's some evidence that in diseases of the surface of the eye, like dry eyes or diseases that uh, it's uh, autoimmune or inflammatory responses like Steven Johnson, that the different uh, composition of the microbiota on the surface of the eye can be associated with different severities of uh, these ocular surface and disease states. But even that is still new. Uh, we don't know exactly the pathways. We don't even know exactly why uh, the surface uh, microbiota of the eye is so different than the mucosal microbiota of others. Some people use the tears, maybe something about the what the, the surface cells of the eye secrete beyond the tears, that it has antibacterial properties. We don't really know. And I've been talking with some microbiome scientists, nothing to do with the eye here, and they, they mentioned it's a very, you know... Unexplained paradox in the microbiota world how the surface of the eye depends, particularly of so much low biomass. Then, the interesting part, and that's the part that I'm more, more fascinated about, is that how the different microbiota compositions in other parts of the body, and in particular the gut, which is the core of, of most of microbiota biomass, uh, can affect. Uh, organs distance from them for example the brain the heart um, and uh, the skin and the immune system and there is really this is a very new field and uh, the concept of a uh, gut retina access um, was initially was introduced or so when I started talking about it a few years ago people were thinking like what are you talking about how things in the gut can affect how things grow in the eye but I think that's a more fascinating thing and um, Uh, My speculation, my hypothesis, and the early evidence from my team and my work shows that indeed uh, how the microbiota uh, composition and specific species uh, lack or presence of uh, different species can affect different pathways in the retina directly, even in the absence of disease.
1: So, all right, so what are some of the diseases in the eye that you study, and what's commonly thought as to the reason why they occur, and is there a new Insight you're getting thinking about the microbiome of the eye maybe that affects so, like like cataracts you know uh, had a cataracts happen and maybe the microbiome of the eye has to do with it who
2: knows so the cataracts are, I don't focus on the cataracts but actually there is a there is some evidence that um, uh, microbiota uh, control different like lens composition we don't know if um, how microbiota affect cataract formation. Uh, but there is um, some uh, limited data out there that already published by different teams that microbiota can also affect the different lipid and, um, and lens proteins composition. If that's visually significant or clinically significant, we don't know. The field is very, very new. I mean if you go and look about microbiota and eye diseases, uh, there's still not much papers and most of them are on ocular surface microbiota and immunities like uveitis. So, one of the first diseases that actually paradigm of microbiome immune system uh, people working on uh UVITis which basically it's inflammatory autoimmune process of the eye. Uh, you know how people get rheumatoid arthritis and lupus and they have inflammation in the joints and Uh, in different parts of the eye, you get inflammation uh, in the eye itself and it's inflammatory process. And for that part, it's probably one of the most well-studied associations between gut microbiota and eye disease. And they found that um, microbiota can trigger inflammation and seem to play a key role in uh, inflammatory processes in the front and the back of the eye. My, uh, my team's uh, focus is mostly in age-related macular degeneration using animal models and also retinopathy of prematurity, which basically it's a disease that, that uh, uh, develops in very high-risk premature babies um, that as they get a little older, like uh, around 36 weeks, some of these uh, very premature babies, they get a very aggressive um, uh, retinopathy uh, with new vessel formation and working with the microbiome scientists and and neonatologists here, and also a pediatric ophthalmologist, Dr. Intrigues and the professor of neonatology, Dr. Erica Cloud, we found some first evidence that early gut composition of uh, very high-risk premature babies may correlate with the risk for retinopathy prematurity. Um, regarding the age related late generation, which is the main focus of my lab team uh, using animal models, uh, we, we've seen that different microbiota status can affect specific pathways in the retina that play a key role in uh, diseases like age-related macular degeneration and the geogenesis. So this is all first, uh, you need to prove proof of concept that what changes in the gut can affect the eyes uh, and you need to see how that all fits in in the disease and the risk factors for disease before you design new ways to change the disease and prevent blindness.
1: Well, okay, so what happens in macular degeneration? What are the stages and how does it happen?
2: So, age-related macular is—it's a very common disease. It's, at this point, 15 million Americans in the U.S. have AMD, and expected to go to 25 by 2040, and they're expected to be. 250 million patients in globally by 2040. So it's becoming a public health issue because we don't really have a prevention and we don't have a treatment except for one subtype, um, which is only the minority of the disease. So in the early stages, you get some deposits and um, you have some trouble with a dark adaptation, but as you go to more ad- advanced stages, you may develop other um, more thinning in the center and then affects your vision and your consensitivity, but also the quality of your vision and the dark adaptation, like the, your adjustment to the dark. Um, and, and then you develop even more advanced feelings that we'll call uh, geographic atrophy, or basically you lose the tissue right in the center of your retina with the macula, Or you develop the um, uh, wet macular then like you develop new vessels, and then you need treatment with injections of medicine, basically in your eye every month for the rest of your life more
1: or less why would you why would you lose tissue like why would this degeneration happen
2: we don't know. So that's the thing. It's one of these, uh, the macular degeneration is always like big puzzle. It's a very complex disease and it's a multifactorial disease. So uh, it's very well known for the past 10 years that we've done a good job identifying the genetic risks and the specific genetic mutations, especially in pathways involved with uh, inflammation and lipid metabolism that seem to increase your risk for macular degeneration but all that only accounts for uh, up to 50% of the risk. The other seems to be more lifestyle and environmental, uh, and we know that the diets and the environment uh, can, have, and you know, obesity and, you know, hip to waste ratio things like that, cardiovascular risk factors can affect the risk for microgeneration. And I'll give you an example, 15 years ago, um, uh, I always find it fascinating not understanding what it really causes disease. So, when I was in the lab as a postdoc, um, I, I studied the fact and how diet and genetic risk combined can affect the in animal models, the macular generation. And we showed for the first time um, that uh, ever reported that high fat diet alone can exacerbate both the wet and the dry macaggression features in the animal bottle. And then the high fat diet was combined with genetic um, risk and genetic uh, predisposition. That effect was really uh, even more exacerbated and accelerated. So that was the beginning of all this. That was like 15 years ago, macrobiome was not in our radar, especially in the eye world. But at the back of my mind, I always find it very fascinating how what you give the mice to eat affects how the vessels grow in the eye and that was always at the back of my mind and fast forward uh here we are a John University of chicago 2016 which is one of the leaders in the microbiome field, and start reading about what is, you know, cutting-edge research in our in my new institution. And I came across the work by Jin Chang, who's now a very close collaborator. But basically, he showed something similar what I, what I saw in the eyes in his colitis mice. So he's a gastroenterologist, and he studies Crohn's disease and inflammatory bowel disease. And he saw similarly that high-fat diet in combination with genetic predisposition will really exacerbate the features of the colitis in the animal models. And that was like mediated by gut microbiome changes, that the diet affects the gut microbiome and the gut microbiome affects the immune system and that you have a more exacerbated uh, disease manifestation. And it was more like a light bulb moment. I'm like, oh my God, this is why um, my mice 15 years ago, when I gave a the high fat diet, they had more uh, exacerbated features because we know inflammation plays a key role in degeneration, So it was kind of like the missing link of how do you connect the environment and diet with disease in the eyes. And now we're using specialized animal models. And we are sure that this is true, that the diet has the microbi- microbiome and the microbiome changes the immune response in the eye. And that can change the disease progression and disease manifestation. But, and there's primarily evidence from patients that people with macular degeneration Either the advanced forms or the more intermediate forms had different gut microbiota composition for patients that are controlled, which are basically people of similar age and similar health status but do not have microgeneration. So both the lab evidence and the clinical evidence uh, shows that uh, gut microbiome may be one of the missing links and one of the missing pieces of the puzzle of microgeneration.
1: Okay. Do you know if the microbiome of the eye is changing in macular degeneration, or do you think it's really mediated by the gut? Nobody
2: threat? has looked at that. Uh, uh, so actually, we're standing is to look about that. Nobody has really looked about the surface of the uh, macular degeneration patients uh, compared to control. So The studies so far has been focused more on the gut and also the mouth.
1: Is it hard to do? I mean, um, you know, the to the get uh, the, the
2: problem, I mean, first of all, it's that you know. The outside of the eye doesn't really communicate with the inside that of the eye that much. Uh, the blood flow is different. So uh, people went more to the core of the bi- microbiome biomass that we know for sure affects inflammatory response and uh, in a general immune status system. Um, the only problem with the oculus surface microbiome, because as I told you, it's very few microbiota, uh, it's, um, you cannot get a lot of them and you know the studies are not so easy. But uh, the sequencing technologies and the sensitivity of the assays uh, now, compared to five, ten years ago when the field started, is much better. So we are hoping with the new advanced sequencing technologies that we'll be able to address that question as well.
1: Okay. What what particular research are you working on? Like, what are you hoping to uh, to figure out?
2: So uh, my research uh, is, is first of all um, in order to answer the uh, basic questions about does the gut microbiome or the microbiome plays a role in the retinal diseases uh, and you know why is the direct effect between microbiome and different microbiome status and different species with pathways in the retina uh, you need to use what is called the, the germ-free mice which is considered the gold standard so basically these are mice are completely sterile they have no microbiome at all anywhere in the body and this is the gold standard to answer the basic questions of yes or no. Uh, the problem with that is that mice are very difficult to handle and you can not really manipulate them uh, because they're going to get contaminated. And it, even though in most other organs that develop animal models of diseases using the Jeffrey free mice, uh, that was a big kind of like missing piece uh, in the IA world. And luckily my team. Th- working with these uh, amazing specialized veterinarians and especially Barry Therio here in Mesh of Chicago. Then we have one of the biggest and most advanced uh Free facilities in internationally. We developed the first ever developed in the history animal model of microgeneration using Gen Free Mice, to be able to keep in the mice sterile. So that was a very big step that you know to set the basis to create the standard and the gold standard for any future study. So now that we we have that, we are actually seeing that a lot of significant pathways in the retinas of the mice that have no microbiota are very different than the mice that have microbiota or they have different microbiota.
1: So what kind what, of uh, what kind of pathways, like? Uh,
2: uh, so it's uh it's inflammation pathways. Uh, Metabolic pathways, angiogenic pathways, metabolism pathways, circadian clock pathways. We've seen all sorts of pathways that have been directly affected from the status of the gut in the retina. Uh, these are like data that are evolving as we speak. So, you know, we don't have the final conclusions yet, but the first evidence is uh, it's, it's, it seems that the, the gut retina is really there.
1: How much of a lack of regulation is there in the germ-free mice then? So if you look at a germ-free mouse, I mean, how abnormal does it become over time? You know, you don't have the bacteria there that are... You know, doing uh, the
2: jobs right they need to do. Overall, pretty much, these mice develop normally. There are some, some small changes in, you know, the intestine. Uh, but the eyes. Uh, we've done histology so far and we don't see a big difference in the way the eyes developed in, without the lack of microbiome. It's more like in a microscope in a cellular level that maybe changes. But structurally, the eye looks similar. And we've done histology and uh, look at these eyes under the microscope and they, they look grossly normal. Uh, but we 're looking at the cellular and microscopic level uh, to see what the specific gene expression pathways are involved so okay, that's one aspect so uh, you know and then uh, another aspect is okay um, it seems like the microbiota affect the disease, but how do you use it to help patients and treat diseases so actually, my lab is uh, is working. Um, in using medications that we know that uh, can alter the microbiota and they're already uh, FDA-approved and safe and they are used in other diseases and they seem to be protective in other aging diseases. And this seems that they they work mostly through by promoting a healthy gut microbiome. How that can help and prevent or uh, suppress the disease in animal models? So that's another aspect that, you know, first of all, delineates the pathways involved between the gut and the retina axis, but also uh, what happens when you alter the gut microbiome using already approved medications for other medications, and in that we can find basically a new way to prevent and treat macular degeneration.
1: Okay. Is there any, I mean, are there any therapies that can, uh, you know, reduce the problems of macular degeneration or even cure it, or? Right
2: now, available. Right now, the only FDA approved medication is uh, if you get wet, which is only 10% of the patients, then you get an injection of a medicine in your eye every week, every month for the rest of your life. And this is what I do most of the days. I see patients, I give them a shot in the office, uh, uh, sitting awake on the needle in the eye, and they have to come and do that every month, basically for the rest of their life. And despite that, they still slowly lose vision. So we really don't have much. So for the dry form, we have no treatment. And for the prevention, uh, the only thing that we can offer them is a multivitamin supplement that you know if you have specific criteria in the early intermediate stages uh if you take the supplement it may decrease your risk a little bit uh over five years to convert to the wet but you will not stop the progression to of the dry so not much so there are many other treatments that have tried uh, to prevent or stop the advancement of the dry and so far they've all failed uh, there was like many trials that have failed uh To prevent the disease or stop the slowing of the dry so far, so we really need for something new. And uh, I think if you ask my my interpretation why we had so bad luck for that, it's because it's a very complex disease. And if you're trying to break down and and suppress only one molecule or one pathway, um, other side pathways will kind of like compensate for that. And that's why it's so hard for this like multi complex and multifactorial disease. Uh, to break one molecule, one pathway, and then stop the disease. So, an approach that, you know, by changing and promoting a more healthy microbiome, that will affect multiple pathways and multiple molecules at the same time, it's more likely to really make a difference. Uh, So, I think that the idea of uh, finding which are the good guys that are missing from the gut of uh, people that have and which are the bad guys that we see more and trying to find a way to keep the balance between the good and bad guys uh, on the healthy side, it's more likely to prevent such a multifactorial um, disease with multiple pathways involved than one single molecule.
1: That makes sense. Hmm. Um, what about, uh, ret- we haven't talked about it much, but uh, retinopathy, what, what happens there and any insights?
2: what yeah. retinopathy? uh the prematurity for the premature babies or diabetes uh diabetes
1: actually diabetes. so
2: the very retinopathy again uh, there's only basically one group uh that be working on that and they have shown that um when you alter the microbiota composition and you induce diabetes to animal models, uh, then you have different, you seem to protect them from the developed retinopathy progression in a macroscopic level. So it seems again that the gut retina access and many of the pathways involved in diabetes are involved in microgeneration. So it's another confirmation that the gut retina access exists and that by uh, modulating the gut microbiota, you can modulate disease processes in the retina. Either that's from diabetes or macularization or inflammation like uveitis, uh, Or retinopathy of prematurity. Again, this is very early evidence uh, that we have uh, in, in, in babies.
1: Okay, so, it, right. Uh, well, with diabetes, I mean, it, it seems like the prevalence of, uh, of sugar and the insulin resistance, uh, you know, is obviously a huge factor. Yes. So, I mean, any crossover in, you know, high-fat diets like you were talking about before with macular degeneration and alteration of pathways and retinopathy with type 2 diabetes or do they look very different?
2: I haven't done in particular high-fat diet experiments and uh, I've done the retinopathy experiments in, in rats with doing my PhD. I have not done in particular but uh, other researchers can really affect diet changes induced on the kind of microbiota and how that affects retinopathy so yes the same effects of gut on the retina seems to be also uh be the case in the retinopathy using animal models. but again this is a new field that we like you know th- there's not much out there it's just like we're just beginning to really thinking of the gut when we're thinking of the retina this is kind of like out of the box thinking that now becomes part of the of our, of our uh, explanations for many of the diseases the same with glaucoma. I mean, uh, there's early evidence that uh, the gut microbiota status affects the optic nerve uh, regeneration and and neuroinflammation biomarkers. So it's it's uh, it's it's all new. It's all new, and we're all like evolving knowledge uh, every day as we speak. Um,
1: with the theory that the gut microbiome affects, let's say, the eye, is it affecting the eye, and that the gut bacteria are affecting the gut cells? Of our body, and then those cells are talking to our eye cells, or do you think it's bacteria to bacteria communication or bacteria to distant uh, somatic cell communication? Any so, there are, there?
2: there are two ways that are speculated so far and shown through evidence. One is by it's it's very well known that the gut microbiome controls the immune system. So, and many of the exi- diseases have inflammation and the immune system as part of their. Uh, Pathogenesis, but one of the ways that drives the disease. So, one way is because different gut microbiota status. Uh, um, control the regulation of the immune system. And if your immune system is dysregulated, that can make you more prone to disease in the eye. And we know that inflammation is one of the key factors in macular degeneration, in uveitis, in glaucoma, and in other diseases. Uh, another thing is that all these microbes secrete all these little metabolites. And these metabolites, they circulate all over the body and they can reach ev- even the most parts of the body and they can interact with receptors And the organs and the cells in distant places. So that's another way that that can affect places like the eye. By changing the immune system And the immune system, uh, the immune cells travel to the eye uh, or by the metabolites that travel through the blood to the eye and that can either activate the immune system in the eye or directly interact with, uh, with the receptors of pathways in the eye itself.
1: Okay, so it's, uh, the thought is it's all immune-modulated type action.
2: Immune-modulated and metabolite-modulated, metabolite like specific metabolites like small chain fatty acid, the very small molecules, uh, they're secreted, they pass through the circulation, and then they can travel in with the body, and then they can interact with uh, specific receptors on the cells of the body.
1: Okay, all right. The, has there been any observation of like microbe to somatic cell direct interactions? Or do you think it's just the release of... Uh, metabolites and other factors that are picked up then by somatic cells or
2: the more directly ocular surface microbiome, because you know it's the microbiota of the disease, the, the microbiome of the surface where the disease develops. So, I think that in models uh, in diseases like ocular surface disease, like dry eyes or Steven Johnson, um, it may be more likely to be a direct effect of the microbiota itself on the disease itself and the local uh, regulation pathways itself for the retina, because there's no really there's no real microbiota inside the eye, or at least if there is the min- minimal, uh, it's more like through regulation of immune system and metabolites that then affect the, microbi- the, the, the retina.
1: What are your thoughts on uh, your wins or knowledge or insights that you're getting, research that you're doing and you know, your colleagues are doing?
2: Uh, I think that there's, there's several aspects of the research. First of all, it helps us understand better what we're dealing with. You cannot cure something you don't understand. So many times they ask me, well, why are you doing this? How are you gonna like cure blindness with studying the microbiome? And the first answer says that you need to understand what you're trying to cure and what you're trying to prevent. So first of all, give us a much better understanding and filling the gaps we have in our knowledge. Um, Number two, we know from epidemiological data that, you know, Mediterranean diet, it seems to be protective, eating heart-healthy vegetables, uh, and, you know, a heart-healthy diet, uh, and nuts and fish uh, protects for AMD. And it's possible because this more healthy diet promotes a more healthy gut microbiome. Why this protect for AMD? So it helps understand the disease, and also he understands better other things we can potentially change in lifestyle recommendations for our patients. Especially when they're earlier bef- before they go to the advanced stages, that may decrease the risk of mentalal duration, but maybe we should be more targeted. Maybe we should particularly tell them make sure you don 't eat high fat diet you know, every day or you know not just try to eat healthy and it 's kind of like vague, um, or you know these patients are older, they get antibiotics all the time, uh, maybe um, we don 't know, know that, but maybe we should tell them, okay, when you do that, you should take you know, supplementation with uh, healthy microbiota. Um, Fecal transplantation is becoming more and more expanded uh, in other fields, so uh, if we come to the point that we think that specific Population of microbiota seems to be protective. Who knows? Maybe in the future, uh, when their patients are in early stages and we see they have the high risk microbiota, we can recommend the fecal transplantation of a healthy population and that maybe will protect it. Or de- design medications that, you know, or use medications that can modulate them. So there are many different aspects we can really help our patients understand the disease so we have better chance to find something to stop it. Uh, help us understand better the recommendations we give them for lifestyle and also explain why the lifestyle changes affect how your eye develops um, disease and also uh, design uh, personalized uh, treatments for patients based on specific gut microbiome composition and then address it either with uh, things like uh, transplantation, metabolites, um, supplementation, or medications.
1: Okay, all right, very good. So, what's the best way for people to find out more about your particular research, and you know, and uh, get in touch with the lab or you? you
2: know, uh, so um, there is a page on the on the website of University of Chicago, and uh, my email is on the webpage. Uh, I have a very open access approach. Uh, Uh, I give my email to everybody and patients can email me directly either for research purposes or for patient advice. And uh, we also have uh, published a few press articles about in late terms about the work we're doing about the effect of uh, microbiota and the eye disease. And also we have a very uh, uh, comprehensive review about the effect of microbiome and ophthalmic disease that was like published uh, last year that overviews microbiome and of microbiome in the front of the eye and the back of the eye, including our work and other people's work. So that would be a very nice overview of what we know so far and where we're going.
1: Okay, very good. Well, Demetrio, thanks for coming. And, I, uh, you know, it's interesting you're looking at these things. A lot of people aren't. So, uh, you know, again, thanks for your knowledge and time.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is a great initiative, and uh, we all appreciate uh, bringing uh, awareness to this interesting and upcoming uh, topic. You've been
0: listening to the Future Tech edition of the Finding Genius Podcast. This podcast is information only. No advice of any kind is being given. Any action you take or don't take as a result of listening is your sole responsibility. Consult professionals when advice is needed. Review us on iTunes or wherever you listen and subscribe today by going to futuretech.findinggeniuspodcast.com.